8. Medications for Bad Thoughts The desire to take medicine is perhaps the greatest feature which distinguishes man from animals. Sir William Osler, 1849-1919 In the century since Dr. Osler's observation, medicines have been discovered to ease many of mankind's ills, including the ills of the mind, anxiety, depression, and frighteningly disorganized thinking. The psychiatrist who specializes in the treatment of mental problems with drugs is called a psychopharmacologist, and he, too, has something to tell us about treatments for bad thoughts. I devote this chapter primarily to the so-called serotonin reuptake inhibiting SRI drugs. No matter if the cause is OCD, depression, PTSD, or Tourette syndrome, the SRI drugs are those most commonly prescribed for and offer the most promising of helping intrusive thoughts. In theory, every mental health professional should agree that a problem is preferably controlled by non-drug means. After all, heart specialists such as Dr. Dean Ornish are far happier in changing my diet and exercise habits to stop the blockage of my arteries rather than an operation and repeated trips to the pharmacy. So try the non-drug treatments for severe bad thoughts described in the previous chapters. If you are not satisfied with your progress on your own, then by all means see a qualified mental health care professional who is familiar with these problems and treatment techniques. My experience is that you should expect relief from these non-drug approaches, although the degree of improvement differs from person to person. If, however, you find your bad thoughts do not respond to your hard work with non-drug treatments, such as exposure therapy or cognitive therapy, then by all means, consider consulting your physician or psychiatrist to see if a medication might give you relief. Your doctor will probably suggest you try one of the serotonin reuptake inhibitor drugs, SRIs, which are classified as antidepressants for their most frequent use. These drugs appear to work by making more of the brain neurotransmitter serotonin available to the nerve cells in our brain, thereby reducing a variety of obsessions, including some of the bad thoughts that are subject in this book. Many of the patients I described earlier had been taking an SRI drug when I saw them for treatment. Some, such as Frank, who couldn't feel certain that he wouldn't one day snap and become a serial killer like Jeffrey Dahmer, got literal relief despite trying a number of these drugs at varying doses, over varying lengths of time. Others, like Ginny, the grandmother who was afraid of killing her grandchild while babysitting, swears that she would never have the courage to confront her fears with exposure therapy with me had she not been on an SRI drug. And still others, such as Marty, had other obsessions and compulsions besides her fear of harming her baby. She found that an SRI drug controlled these other OCD symptoms, checking door locks over and over again, for example, but did not help her bad thoughts about her son. Over the past decade, I've spoken to hundreds of patients who take SRI drugs, and I've worked on many studies of the usefulness of these drugs. However, as a psychologist, not a physician, I cannot prescribe these or any other drugs. Consequently, I've turned to two practicing psychiatrists with extensive experience in treating obsessions for their views about drug treatment of bad thoughts. Dr. Katherine Weisner, whose research on violent thoughts in women with postpartum depression I described earlier, and my longtime colleague and friend, Dr. Michael Jenicky. I first considered the role of drug treatment for bad thoughts in general. Medication Treatment for Bad Thoughts we know that SRI drugs are effective against the obsessions of OCD in general, 
But what about violent, sexual, or blasphemous obsessions in particular? Apart from a few anecdotal reports in the literature, we know little about this question. The only study to directly address the effectiveness of these drugs against sexual obsessions was carried out by doctors Dan Stein and Eric Hollander at Mount Sinai Medical School in New York. They reviewed the charts of their patients who had been treated with SRI drugs for a variety of sexual disorders and discovered that the greatest improvement was in those people with egodystonic, intrusive sexual obsessions typical of OCD. In other words, they found that SRI drugs were effective against the type of sexual bad thoughts that are the subject of this book. Concerning religious or blasphemous obsessions, doctors Brian Fallon and Michael Leibowitz and their associates at Columbia University Medical School studied the effectiveness of SRI drugs in 10 patients' moral or religious scrupulosity. They found that six of the 10 patients responded by the end of three months of treatment, and two more responded after treatment trials. Other than these reassuring findings, there are no studies specifically addressing whether medications help particular types of obsessions. On the other hand, Dr. Jenicki points out that since these obsessions occur in many patients with OCD, these bad thoughts have been treated as part of all drug studies that have been conducted in OCD. Because, Dr. Jenicki says, these studies have all found that SRI medications help obsessive thoughts as much as compulsive rituals. There really aren't any particular drugs that I'd prescribe first for a patient with sexual, violent, or blasphemous obsessions, as opposed to any other OCD symptom. Which drug help obsessions and how do we know they're effective? Today, we have six SRI drugs that have been shown to be useful in carefully done double-blind studies, in which neither the doctor nor the patient knew the active drug or a placebo had been prescribed. This is the gold standard of testing a new drug because its effectiveness can be evaluated in an unbiased way. These drugs are fluvoxamine, Luvox, fluoxetine, Prozac, serotrenaline, Zoloft, paroxetine, Paxil, Cetilopran, Celexa, Clomipramine, and Afronil. Anafronil has been around the longest and is the best studied around the world, but growing evidence suggests that the other SRI drugs are probably equally effective against obsessions. At what dosages are SRI drugs used to treat obsessions? In Dr. Jenicki's experience, most people with OCD require relatively high dosages of these drugs to get relief from obsessions. He suggests the following guidelines based on studies done to date. Lovux, up to 300 milligrams per day. Prozac, 40 to 80 milligrams per day. Zoloft, up to 200 milligrams per day. Paxil, 40 to 60 milligrams per day. Celexa, up to 60 milligrams per day. Anaphronil, up to 250 milligrams per day. On the other hand, Dr. Jenicki has also seen few patients who do not respond even to large dosages of these medications, but who did seem to improve on very low doses, such as 5 to 10 milligrams per day of Prozac or 25 milligrams per day of anaphronil. Why do SRI drugs help obsessions? We don't fully understand why these particular drugs help intrusive thoughts, while similar drugs do not. But we do have some important clues. Each of these drugs has powerful effects on serotonin, a neurotransmitter or chemical messenger in the brain. Serotonin is one of several chemicals that nerve cells in many parts of our brain use to communicate with one another. Because the nerve cells that use serotonin are distributed widely throughout our brain, the neurotransmitter affects much of our mental life, 
including obsessive thoughts and depression. How do SRI drugs work? Although we don't fully understand the process, we do know that a nerve cell is active only when a neurotransmitter like serotonin is present in the gap between it and its neighboring nerve cell in our brain. These gaps are called synapses or the synaptic cleft. A nerve cell stops transmitting information to its neighboring nerve cell when it absorbs the neurotransmitter from the synapse, ending the transmission. The anti-obsessional drugs are called serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SRIs, because they work by slowing the reuptake, another word for reabsorption, of serotonin, thereby keeping it in the synapse longer, so transmission can continue between the neighboring nerve cells. After a few weeks, this increased serotonin produces changes in serotonin receptors on the surface of the nerve cells, areas where serotonin attaches. It may be that these receptors are abnormal in people with OCD, and that changes in the SRI drugs produce in them partly reverse OCD symptoms. But, Dr. Janicki warns, this is only part of how these drugs work. It is very likely that other brain chemicals, in addition to serotonin, are involved. For example, we know that when brain activity in the brain serotonin system is changed, this also changes the activity of other brain systems. If the explanation above confuses you, don't worry. Dr. Janicki reminds us that Researchers themselves do not fully understand how these drugs work because it is all so complicated. But the good news is that we do know, after decades of research, how to treat patients, even though we do not know exactly why our treatments work. How long do anti-obsessional drugs take to work? Dr. Jenicki always warns his patients and their doctors, if they are not familiar with treating obsessions, not to give up on an SRI drug unless there has been no improvement despite taking it in a therapeutic dose for at least 10 weeks. He has seen many patients who eventually responded well who felt no positive effects at all in the first few weeks of taking an SRI drug, experiencing only side effects. As a result, some physicians give up too early on SRI drugs, stopping after four to six weeks without a response, since this is the time needed for treatment of depression, with which they are more familiar. Precisely why SRI drugs take so long to work for obsessions remains a mystery. Do SRI drugs have side effects? Yes, SRI drugs, like all drugs, have side effects. And as with all drugs, the patient and his physician must weigh the benefits of the drug against the side effects. In Dr. Jenicki's experience, it is important for the patient to be open and forceful about any problems the medication may be causing. Sometimes, simply changing the dosage or taking the drug at a different time of day fixes the problem. These drugs commonly produce sexual side effects in both sexes, ranging from lowered sexual drive or delayed orgasm to total inability to have an erection or orgasm. Although you may feel embarrassed to discuss these problems, it is important for you to tell your physician about them so that he or she can help figure out what's best to deal with them. Besides, these side effects are so common that your psychiatrist will not be surprised to hear about them. Other common side effects of SRI drugs are nausea, inability to sit still, sleepiness, and too much energy. Weight gain can be a problem with SRI drugs, so a strict diet may be needed if your appetite is increased. Anaphronil, which is structurally similar to the older tricyclic antidepressants, may also cause drowsiness, dry mouth, racing heart, and memory problems, concentration difficulties, and mainly in men, problems urinating. Despite this list of potential side effects, these drugs appear to be safe, even over many years, and all side effects disappear when the drugs are stopped. Are there other drugs that might help my bad thoughts? Sometimes, people with intense images accompanying their bad thoughts, or those with tics, do not respond either to non-drug treatments described earlier or to SRI drugs. In these cases, a psychiatrist may 
prescribe, in addition to SRI drugs, another medication called a dopamine antagonist or a neuroleptic drug that acts on dopamine, another brain transmitter. Are there other drugs that might help with my bad thoughts? Sometimes people with intense images accompanying their bad thoughts or those with tics do not respond to either the non-drug treatments described earlier or to the SRI drugs. In these cases, a psychiatrist may prescribe, in addition to the SRI drug, another medication called a dopamine antagonist or neuroleptic drug that acts on dopamine, another brain neurotransmitter. The theory behind this is that both visual hallucinations, seeing things that aren't there, and tics such as in Tourette's syndrome can be caused by too much dopamine in the synapses of our brains. This causes particular nerve cells to overfire, sending too many signals to our muscles or to the visual areas of our brain, causing us extraneous movements or images. These drugs are sometimes called antipsychotics after their most common usage. Does being prescribed one of these drugs mean then that you are psychotic? No. Although high doses of these drugs are used to treat symptoms of psychotic illness, such as intense auditory or visual hallucinations and bizarre delusions. They're now used at lower doses to treat tics and in combination with SRI drugs to treat vivid, upsetting mental images. As an example of this latter use, one of my patients complained about clear and upsetting images of stabbing his mother and father. After a week or two of taking a low dose of a neuroleptic drug, he told me that his stabbing images, which had previously been as vibrant as oil paintings, were now more like vague pencil sketches, which were far easier to tolerate. After this improvement, he was more willing to engage in exposure therapy, which dramatically reduced his distress and avoidance. On the other hand, most psychiatrists will add these neuroleptic drugs only for serious problems and only when they are convinced that no other non-drug or drug treatment alone will help. Why? Because the older drugs in this category, such as haloperidol, haldol, pemazide, ORAP, theoridazine, marilil, trifluoperazine, stelazine, and chlorophthorazine, can produce permanent neurological problems such as tremble or tongue thrusting. Fortunately, patients such as the man with vivid, violent thoughts described above now have available. Newer neuroleptic drugs, such as quietimine, olanzapine, and risperzozone, that seem to cause fewer of these irreversible neurological problems. Still, Dr. Jenicky warns that the new neuroleptic drugs should not be used alone since they may worsen OCD symptoms when not taken along with an SRI drug. Bad Thoughts in Postpartum Depression Before the first SRI drug, Clymiaprine, parentheses, anaphronil, and fluxetine, parentheses, Prozac, became available in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Dr. Wisner had noticed that when she used the older tricyclic antidepressants, such as amitriptyline, to treat women with postpartum depression, some of their symptoms, depression, sleep and appetite disturbance, got much better. But their obsessional thoughts and anxiety weren't totally relieved. Then, when she started treating these women with the newly available SRI drugs, she often noticed far better control of their obsessional thoughts and anxiety. Because women with postpartum depression often suffer from troubling anxiety, Dr. Wisner begins with low doses of SRI drugs, perhaps half the recommended usual dose, to keep from further elevating their anxiety. 
Although most of her patients now with postpartum depression respond well to SRI drugs, Dr. Weisner told me that some of the new mothers she sees do not respond fully to these drugs. Although they notice their obsessions have become fewer and less intense, they still remain, though causing less interference. She finds that adding behavior therapy, as described in earlier chapters, can markedly improve these mothers' recoveries. Anna, the new mother you met earlier who feared accidentally poisoning her son, provides a clear illustration of the combined use of SRI drugs and exposure therapy. Several weeks prior to seeing me, Anna had been so depressed and so unable to care for herself or her son that she and her husband feared she might commit suicide, and she voluntarily checked into a nearby psychiatric hospital. There, her doctor immediately prescribed an SRI drug, and within two weeks, she began to feel better. Her mood gradually brightened, her energy began to return, and she no longer fell asleep wishing she would not awaken. Yet Anna knew she was still far from being ready to face taking care of her infant son. Simply, the thought of touching him caused her panic as she imagined poisoning with botulism, salmonella, or even poison ivy. By the time Anna was referred by her psychiatrist to me for behavior therapy, she had been taking the SRI drug for about one month, and she told me that she was feeling enough like her old self to be ready to tackle her obsessional thoughts about her son. One of the first things I did was to visit Anna at her home to accomplish two key goals. One, help her practice touching various poisonous, though really safe, areas around her house and yard, and then handle her son. And two, with Anna there, to explain to her family what exposure therapy involved and to reassure them that she was no longer suicidal and they need not, and she did not warn them to, treat her with kid gloves. With hard work, Anna no longer avoided anything in her home, including her son, whom she now touched and cared for normally. Since Anna told me that despite her market improvement, she still had bad thoughts about poisoning him, we decided to prepare the exposure audio tape I described previously, which after two weeks of use was so helpful to her in taming her remaining bad thoughts. Anna's story has a happy ending. It has now been more than a year since she completed treatment at our clinic, which also included several home visits by one of our dedicated counselors to supervise her in rough practices. And she returns from time to time to show us how tall her son has grown, to report on her continued progress, and most recently offering to speak to other new mothers with the thoughts like she had to give them hope and encouragement. Her treatment is typical. One, an SRI drug improved her, her mood, returning her energy, and eliminated suicidal thinking. Two, exposure to handling her baby after touching feared things around her house eliminated her avoidance of both. Three, imagining her most feared obsessions without distraction drained them of their strength. Who should prescribe anti-obsessional drugs for me? Although any licensed physician can legally prescribe any of the drugs discussed above, it is best to look for a board-certified psychiatrist who understands obsessions and OCD, preferably one who is also a psychopharmacologist. If you are given a prescription for an anti-obsessional medication and it is effective, your doctor will probably suggest you remain on it for a minimum of six months to one year before trying to discontinue it to reduce the chance of relapse. Unfortunately, many obsessions often return when drugs are discontinued, although not in all cases. This is another good reason for first or simultaneously giving a fair try to the non-drug treatments described earlier.